the first Suns preseason win of the Chris Paul era, as well as one more question from our 13 questions preview series looking at Chris Paul and whether this is finally the year that he accepts a little bit of slowdown coming all up next on Locked On Suns. You are Locked On Suns, your daily Phoenix Suns podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. We are back. This is Locked On Phoenix Suns. I'm your host, Brendan Clean, covering the Suns the past five seasons. As a credentialed media member, thank you for making Locked On Suns your first listen every single morning. Happy to be here with you again. Follow the show at Locked On PHX Suns. Follow me on Twitter at BrendanClean14. And subscribe to our YouTube channel if you have not yet. I don't want to remind you guys incessantly and and be a bother, but if you are still just listening or maybe finding the show on YouTube here for the first time, of course I want to remind you that this show is, again, here for you every single day, making it your first listen, every single Suns fan's first listen as they wake up and we start a new season. So, uh, appreciate anyone who has done that. Please do so if you have not, and let's get to the show. Recapping. A 117-105 Suns victory in the preseason, the first one since Chris Paul was traded here, which is obviously a sight for sore eyes, fun in its own way, even if the preseason is uh, fairly, um, the results of a preseason game are entirely meaningless, and and the takeaways we'll get to in a second don't always tell us the full truth. Of course, if the Suns uh, last season's preseason was to be trusted, they would never have made the finals, so we'll get into all of that in a second, and then Also, just want to um, keep our preview series rolling. 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season. Today's question is, is this finally the year that Chris Paul finds a more patient mentality as he winds toward the end of his career? And it's a good time to do that one. We're seeing a lot of Alfred Payton in the preseason. It's making me think about this question quite a bit. So that will close us out. You guys actually know exactly where I'm going with the takeaways from this 117-105 win because I saw a couple of you tweeting it at me. I saw many more of you tweeting it um, just out into the ether, fans talking about this, and it was my takeaway as well. I was able to watch the first quarter on my computer, then I was able to watch, um, I'm sorry, I was able to listen to the first quarter and follow along with some of the highlights and tweeting. Then I was able to listen while I was driving to the arena, and then I caught most of the second half in person. And my takeaway was the same as yours. This team has chemistry. I talked about it coming off of the first preseason game against the Kings earlier this week, in in that that switch is very flippable, and and you can see it. Um, the the numbers that obviously illustrate that, I mean, they're ones we've been talking about forever, really since before Chris Paul when Monty Williams took over, but 31 assists today on 44 made baskets for the Suns. They were able to generate 28 three attempted threes. They made 11 of them, 14 turnovers, whatever. Again, I mean, the mistakes and some of that silliness, like it's going to happen in the preseason, but the fact that that identity, the, the, the assisting between Payne, 
Chasen Randall and Chris Paul and Landry Shamit, those four for the most part, no one else had more than one. But those guys, uh, yeah, those no, nobody else had more than one. Those guys were really the engines of this, but it's not just the playmaking. It's the fact that the Suns looked like a team that had played together. They looked like a team that had a system in place. And that was the, the case against the Kings. Yes, they lost that game, but there were moments where they were basically able to, especially at the start of the third quarter um, in the Kings game, able to basically just put their pedal to the metal and go out there and kind of grab hold of the game, take back the pace of the game, um, lean on some of those those 0.5 um, techniques and, and principles that Monty Williams has installed. Like, they can do that. They can lock down on defense. They can turn defense into offense. All these things we know they can do. That is coming quicker and more naturally to them, and they looked more cohesive. And yes, it's the preseason, but different than Monday. You did see Aiton and Bridges and Paul and Crowder all playing more than 20 minutes. You saw Shamit doing the same. And on the other side, it was a lot of minutes for some of the, the Lakers' top players. Now, Russ and LeBron both were out, of course, but you know Anthony Davis played 25 minutes. Horton Tucker played 24. Kendrick Nunn played 27. So this was, for the most part, you know guys who are starting caliber players playing against one another. And you might be looking at it and being, you know, the, the Lakers have all of these new pieces. It doesn't matter. I'm just the guy who just got done telling you that the preseason is relatively meaningless in terms of result, but that's not what we're talking about. I'm not saying that this was um, illustrative of this strength on the Suns' part in terms of this cohesion and, and continuity and identity because they won. I'm saying it because we saw it, man, we, we saw it p- be put together in terms of things that actually generate winning the passing the shooting the everything else the defense so that all is going to stay there and the thing is about this Lakers team if you are giving that excuse now of course I get they're going to be different and obviously much more competitive when LeBron James is in the lineup same thing with Russell Westbrook but this is a team that the Suns are going to be competing with for Western Conference seating and they clearly don't have things figured out And so I don't think you can just gloss over the fact that the Suns have that advantage over this specific Lakers team, even even different than the Kings, who A, have less turnover and B, don't matter as much in the grand scheme of the West. The Lakers actually are a nice test here, a nice way to kind of stack up and say, okay, that team's still figuring it out. They're taking things slowly in the preseason. I think we can expect that things will look pretty different in the regular season as well, besides LeBron and AD, almost everything is different. So I do just feel like that's worth saying. This benchmark for the Suns is not useless in terms of them being able to just control the game against the team that they want to be better than this season. Um, And so, yeah, that's really it. I mean, we can go through like continued aggressiveness from Cam Johnson is obviously great to see. Cameron Payne bounced back with a much better game than he had in the initial opener. DeAndre Ayton played with with pretty good energy and had that rebounding going. All of that stuff's awesome. We all know. The stats, I mean, honestly, I'm personally going to be approaching even the regular season with much more of a focus on how does this team look? How is it holding together? What's being added? Who's improving and how? Those types of things, far more than results, even in the regular season, because I think this game is going to be great. So that's the energy I'm trying to keep here talking about the preseason as well. Um, we're actually going to keep it right there on the preseason two here. 
coming out of the break because I want to talk about the Mercury and the the doubleheader. I was at both of the games. As I said, I got to the second half of the Suns game and then was able to go to the Mercury game in full and the Suns players were there and they orchestrated this um, doubleheader and it's all it's interesting to me. It was the st- it was kind of the story of the day today although the Mercury did lose. I have my Diana Taurasi goat shirt there. So, that's what we'll talk about in just a second. Give me give you some quick thoughts there. I'll do that in just one moment. First though, a quick word from Sleeper. You know the drill in 2018 the fantasy experts at Sleeper realized fantasy basketball had been broken. Games were being won and lost based on whose players had more scheduled games that week. It made no sense. It also required very little strategy. So in 2020, Sleeper released a brand new way of playing fantasy basketball called Game Pick, and it's only available on Sleeper. In Game Pick, owners pick a single game per week, uh, as the name suggests, for each starter to count toward their total team score, ensuring an even number of games played between opponents. The days of losing your losing just because your opponent's players simply had more scheduled games to play than you or that you just didn't have the time to dedicate to setting your lineup every single day. That's all over. What Game Pick provides you is a strategy that works, that is more fun, and that is less work. So whether you prefer Redraft Keeper or Dynasty, Game Picks has you covered. Sleeper cracked the fantasy basketball code, so if you play fantasy ba- fantasy football and love it, you prefer building out that weekly strategy versus the daily busy work of normal fantasy basketball, you're going to love Game Picks. Download the Sleeper app, start a Game Picks league today with your friends, and enjoy. Okay, a few more thoughts on this preseason game. Again, a 117-105 win on the part of the Suns, and that was obviously one part of the day, but the bigger story and something that I have a vested interest in, interest in just from the perspective of having covered the Mercury for even longer than I have covered the Suns from an in-person media credentialed perspective is this doubleheader and is the uh, relationship between the franchise. I think that's really where I want to hit here. And uh, Kellen Olson wrote a nice piece about it on ArizonaSports.com. I suggest you guys go read that. I was talking to Kellen about that today. I was not able to um, go down into the press conference area and hear from the players and and Monty and everybody after the game. So I didn't uh, get that insight the way that he did. And uh, let's start there because... On the Sun side, there was a push. I don't really know where it came from. I also want to shout out Alex Simon over at The Next, which is a women's basketball site. He has been reporting on the Mercury and I think had a lot to do with why this doubleheader took place. For those of you who did not follow the entire story, the the Mercury started their playoff run last week in a wild card or a single elimination game um, against... Who did they play? I am blanking, but it was at home and they played at Grand Canyon. The next game was in Seattle. They won that game, of course. Sue Bird versus Diana Taurasi and Taurasi's team came out on top. Then that took them to the semifinal round. That's the round we're in now only. The first game was, uh, sorry, to start all the way at the beginning, that game that they played at GCU, that was because of a Maluma concert at Footprint Center. Fast forward to game one of, or I'm sorry, game three of the Aces series in the semifinals, and AS, um, Mercury were again pushed to ASU this time for 
Disney on Ice. That was the event. So a Maluma concert and a Disney on Ice, those aren't even enjoyable events. Those are not even popular things that people actually love to do. Those are a children's thing and a relatively unpopular artist. I'm not insulting people who like that stuff, but a professional sports team playing at their home arena should matter far more than getting to make some money off of mildly popular concerts. I'm sorry, that's a fact. So I said Alex Simon, he's the man who wrote the story about why this has continued to happen. He had the nugget that during the Britney Griner, Diana Taurasi era since 2014, those two, that duo has played more home quote unquote playoff games at other arenas other than Talking Stick Resort Arena slash the Footprint Center than they have at that home arena. So they've played at ASU, GCU, etc. more than they've played at their actual home arena during the postseason during this era. Embarrassing. Should not happen. Should not happen if you claim to own a franchise and say that this is their home arena, that this is their home city. They should not be trans- transient during the postseason. That is the most important time. Put them in wherever they need to be put if a big event is coming through during the regular season, I guess. If that's the reality we just have to accept, I don't personally accept it. But if we just operate in that realm for a moment, then the regular season is less important. The postseason should matter. It should be a higher priority. You should not be scheduling events like Disney on Ice or Maluma or whomever it might be during the playoffs. So the Suns, the players, the Mercury players, whatever it might be, got the job done, went out and and created this plan to basically have the first ever doubleheader. They liked to market it so that it came off as a positive. Not to criticize, but it's not a positive. It is fixing a mistake that never needed to be a mistake in the first place. They put this together and they were able to go ahead and make this happen. The first one of its kind in this building. Three o'clock preseason game, six o'clock play, uh, seven o'clock WNBA playoff game. Suns won, um, and of course, the Mercury went out and uh, unfortunately fell. So that's the story of that, and um, it was cool the way that the Suns were able to come out and show support, and it was also cool the way that the ticket holders were able to attend games. I believe, I know for a fact that season ticket holders were given an opportunity to go to this Mercury game at no charge, and I know that they were, they filled the upper deck of the bench side of the court in uh, unexpectedly. They were not supposed to have tickets up there. I don't know if those tickets were sold or were giveaways or whatever, but the crowd was basically, I would say, 80 to 90% full in the lower bowl. And then there was about a, you know, a fifth of the upper bowl of the upper deck was also full, which wasn't supposed to happen. So huge turnout, I think largely because you put the games together and you give people an awesome night of basketball. Now, it's a little bit harder during the regular season, I get that, but you imagine a playoff situation maybe during the summer by the time the Mercury season starts up next season. Why not do it on the weekend? You have a, a, a WNBA regular season game and an NBA playoff game at the same time, if that's possible. Doing them in one night on a, you know, when both are, are big time games that might be on television, I get is harder. This preseason thing was easier because it's obviously um not super important, I, and it wasn't even on TV. So I think that's that's what we could see happen in the future, and I think that the Suns are push are pushing for it. The players themselves now, Chris Paul got some criticism over you know his his role as uh, an, a union 
comrade for Neko Gumake and the WNBA union over the past year and a half while they've been figuring out their own COVID and social, social justice initiatives. Um, so we'll, we'll, I don't, we'll never really know what those conversations looked like. And NECA, um, I believe that she's telling the truth when she says there were not as many of them as she would have liked. But at the end of the day, the Suns players have shown out in full force for this Mercury team. Chris Paul bought tickets to that ASU game in game three. He and all of the Suns roster, I literally believe each and every person. I don't think I saw anybody not there. Um, eh, that's not true. I don't want to say that. There there were a few now that I'm realizing it who were not around, but just about each player and, and some of their family members and friends and everything were in a, a whole section to themselves at the game today. Uh, they threw out the uh, towels during the breaks and they were very, very supportive and festive and everything that you would want to see, right? So that is cool. We, we've seen Diana Taurasi and Skylar Diggins-Smith at Suns games, at Suns playoff games, we know the commitment that Diana has had to this to this city. She's the most accomplished athlete in the history of Phoenix sports. And uh, it's cool to see that be reciprocated, that it's both ends of this thing, that the players were cool to, to bump the game up, that they were in support of it. Monty Williams said the same thing, although he said he might not make it to the end of the game because he's an old man that had to go to sleep early. Um, and... Uh, it's cool, and I hope it continues. I hope that this is treated like their home arena because it is. If this is their home, if this franchise is, is just as much there as it is as it is the Suns, if that's the spirit that we're operating under, the practice facility belongs to both teams, the arena belongs to both teams, and they should be playing their games there. It would be unthinkable for an NBA team to not play at their home arena, no matter what the alternative was. If you're telling me it's just about money, I personally believe that depending on who's playing in that venue, you might be able to make a significant amount of money on a huge concert, more than you might on a regular season or even a playoff game for the NBA. It sounds absurd, maybe. I don't think it's that crazy. I think it's at least close, so don't tell me it's just about money. It's about respect, and it should happen every single time. All right, that'll close out my rant. I'm putting on the goat shirt. I had to give you peace of my mind there. I'll close out answering question number... Okay, so this is actually going to be question number eight. I said question number seven in the episode you'll hear tomorrow with Robbie Calland because I wasn't thinking. So this will be question number eight. By the end of the week, you'll get eight. We'll have five next week, and that'll lead us right to the end of the week in time for the following week, which will be the tip-off of the 21-22 season. So uh, I did plan all that out. I just confused myself along the way. And we'll talk about Chris Paul. Does he have it in him? Is this the year that he accepts a little bit of a smaller role? I'll tell you whether I think that's going to happen or not on the other side. First, though, a quick, work, quick word from betonline.ag. BetOnline is back and better than ever as all teams are on the gridiron. All eyes are on the gridiron with teams back for another football season. BetOnline, your number one spot for all pro and college football betting action all season long. With the new and updated site and interface, you get even more odds, props, and contests throughout the year where BetOnline continues to be that number one source for everything football. Head to the website right now. Use your mobile device. Sign up today at betonline.ag. Put that first deposit down. And when you do, use the promo code Locked On to get a 50% welcome bonus. Again, that's promo code Locked On when you make your first deposit to get a 50% welcome bonus straight to your account from football and basketball and boxing right to your favorite Vegas casino games. Don't wait to take advantage of all the amazing offers available for the 2021 football season. Bet online where the game starts. Today's show also brought to you by Built Bar, the best tasting protein bar ever, and my favorite 
protein bar. I'm making my way through a limited time special offer at Built.com, which is the cookie dough chunk. I have been saving, uh, not saving, I've been greedily uh, just choking these things down, chomping them down every single day. My wife has not had one yet. They're delicious. They're one of the best that I've had. And they're available to you right now, in addition to other seasonal favorites like strawberry, orange, and German chocolate, and the best classic flavors that are always around at Built.com, which are coconut, cherry, barcia, raspberry, and more. My favorite double chocolate in there as well, just a light, sweet, not too sweet, perfect bar. Double chocolate is a perfect bar. Each and every one is wrapped in 100% chocolate, which makes it soft and easy to chew. No more than 180 calories, no more than five grams of sugar, and no every <laughs> never will you have to worry about it being anything but delicious. That's just the bottom line with Built Bar. They're all delicious, they're all healthy, and they are all light. That's the miss that's the missing piece for a lot of these is you bite one, you eat one, it's first of all, it's a pain in the butt to even get through, and then it just sits in your stomach. You feel way too full, you feel bloated, whatever it might be. Built is perfect. It gets that job done without weighing you down. Go to built.com, try one for yourself, use the promo code LOCKED15. To get 15% off your next order, you can double dip. If you use this before, try it again. There is no limit. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off when you check out at Built.com. Closing out the show with question number 8 slash 7, whatever order you want to count it in, of our Suns preview series here. 13 questions that will define the Phoenix Suns season. The question is, is this the year Chris Paul finds a more patient mentality as he approaches the end of his career. So the case for this is obvious. Uh, it's the Sam Amick story. I brought him on the podcast last season to talk about it, where he basically asked Chris, like, is that going to happen? Is that in the cards for you? And Chris's short answer was no. His long answer was that actually Sam Presti out in Oklahoma City had put together an entire presentation on this very topic, asking Chris, okay, Look, we want you to maintain your value. We want you to we want to be able to trade you to wherever you might want to go in the future. We want to win with you this season while we have you. And the best way to do all of that is to just be a little bit more patient, not push yourself so hard and to rest on occasion so that you stay healthy, especially for a guy with Chris Paul's health history, right? Injury history. So the long answer was that that all happened, and Chris Paul still said no. So long and short answer, both the same. No, it's not going to happen. It didn't really happen much last year, but if you, in a major way, right, it didn't become this storyline. I mean, in a lot of ways, Chris had the most appreciated season that he's had in many, many years last season. Um, but you look below the surface, and the trend is obviously there. From in 2011, which was his first year with the Clippers, he was at 36 minutes per game, which actually was down from where he was most of the time he was in New Orleans, but we'll just start from the Clippers era. He was at 36.4 minutes per game. He has not been that high since. He's not even really gotten close, and over the past five seasons now, he's been basically between 31 and 32. Last year was actually the lowest of his entire career by a very small margin, but nevertheless, that was true, 31.4. In the playoffs, he was at 34.2. So you compare that to early in his career as well. Chris was at 40.5, 41.7. Those first few years, the first three playoff runs of his career, he was up above 40 minutes per game each and every time. This is a different phase for him. He's playing less and he's doing less. I'll go to the usage rate, which isn't 
a perfect metric that describes like how much energy a player is exerting. His assist rate, Chris's, was much higher last year than it had been for a few seasons, but his assist rate has lingered around 22 for a little while. Last year was one of the lowest marks of his entire career as well. So he's not shooting as much. The turnovers are always going to be low for the most part, and he is just not as much of a scorer is really the bottom line. He, he's more of an assist guy last year than he had been in a while, but the, the shooting is, is just going to be down. It hasn't really been there for many, many years at this point, and the minutes are lower, and the defensive assignments are worse. So that's a long way of saying, to answer this question, I don't think this is the year that anything dramatic happens because the subtle changes have already been there over time and will still be there. And I think you might see, maybe it was 31.4 last year, maybe it'll be closer to straight 31. Maybe it'll sneak below 31, but it won't be huge. And the other number, if we're just looking at the numbers here, that you want to look at is number of games played. In a 72-game or so season, I can't remember the final tally um, for all the different teams in the bubble year, but he played 70 games that season, including the bubble regular season, eight-run regular season in the bubble. He also played 70 out of 72 last year. Now, of course, in Houston, his last two seasons, well, all three seasons before that, the last year in LA and the two in Houston, he was at 61, 58, 58. And that was why this this narrative had formed that he was basically sort of done, that, that the injuries and health and age were all going to catch up to him and he wasn't really that same guy anymore. That has obviously changed. You know, the plant-based diet is something he's talked a lot about. I think there's also something to, you know, getting to be in situations where your role can be a little bit smaller, whether it was those three guard lineups with the Thunder or playing next to Booker and uh, having backed up, being backed up by Cameron Payne last year. All those things help. But the narrative has been flipped. That subtle change will be what continues here. We're not worried about Chris Paul being done, and I also don't think you should expect that the number of games is going to go back to what it was those seasons in Houston and L.A. And that wasn't out of rest, of course. That was injury. But I don't think that's where he's going to be. I think he's going to be closer to playing most, if not all, of the season than you know half of it, which is where he was trending closer to each year before that. So... I would think, you know, maybe they take things easier. I mean, that's the one thing, too, is like if there is an injury, then he's not going to be quite as likely to push it and, and get back on the floor and, you know, be the macho man that we expect athletes to be a lot of the time. He's going to try to basically uh, rest, I think. You know, that, that those are the little ways where that will happen. And at the end of the day, that's going to be what we see. It's going to be that incremental change. It's going to be... Taking more time if you do get hurt, it's going to be a, few, a little bit of a fewer minutes. It's going to be doing less when you are on the floor. But I don't. I just. I take Chris Paul at his word. He told Sam Presti, "No, we didn't see it last season during his first year with the Suns. He showed us that he can still be excellent." I don't attribute those injuries in the playoffs to like overworking or or being gassed or or his body wearing down. I just don't think you can really do that. I think that the injuries were. Um, separate and fluky and at the end of the day look his body does seem to be brittle but I don't think that that playing 31 minutes per game and playing you know 78 of 82 games is going to be the difference between being fully rested and not having an, an any ounce of hurt in the playoffs versus getting 
an injury. I just, I don't think that's really what explains it. That's where we are. It's important to have Cameron Payne. It's important to have Landry Shamit. It's important that Booker continues to do more and that balance between those two guys gets better. But I don't think that this is going to be a year where Paul just gets put into a injury management or rest protocol and, and plan. And all of a sudden we're just seeing, you know, every three games, Chris Paul is not in the, in the lineup and we're wondering what's going on. And he's, he's just cruising on the bench. That's not what we're going to see, in my opinion. I think it's going to be more of the same. And I think it's just going to really honestly probably be a good thing because this team does need that cohesion. They do need to continue to get better and grow and uh, and and get better together as as the sum of, of their parts. So that closes me out today. I will be back tomorrow, as I said, answering another question, looking at all things Devin Booker and his offensive growth, his upside as a bonafide championship level creator and scorer and player overall. That'll be with Robbie Calland of Dime Uproxx. So check that out tomorrow. Until then, enjoy your Thursday.